There's just something about a day like this, is there not? We're reminded again and again and again when we hear stories about mothers, we almost automatically think of love. We have expressions that highlight the depths of a mother's love. Even when these expressions are negative, they kind of highlight the depths of a mother's love. Yes? You know what I'm saying. He's so ugly that only a mother can love him. Yes? That says something about a mother's love right there. In fact, when we hear stories about our mothers, they are usually love stories, even if they are stories about bravery, about selflessness, about all these things, it comes back down to love. And I want to, uh, I want to uh, just read to you also as maybe a, a start here uh, what I also wrote about my own mother. Not to say special things about her in this context, you all have special things to say, but maybe that will inspire us even as an introduction to this. Uh, I lost my mother a few years ago, and again, this Mother's Day morning, I'm reflecting on the legacy and impact she had on my life. Always listening, always impacting with her wise and loving counsel. She taught us by example what unselfish love looked like in real life. She taught us to sing for joy as an expression of our gratitude to God. She taught us to pray because a living Savior was listening. She taught us to read and trust God's word because it would transform our lives. She taught us to live by faith and follow God's call wherever it would lead, even if it would steal her grandkids, right? She taught us to live in a way that would allow us to quote 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Paul wrote what is probably considered the most beautiful poem or expression of love that we have. You know it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is what? Patient. It's kind. And it goes through all kinds of things. And then it comes to it's always trusts, always hopes. You kind of think, I wonder if Paul was thinking about his mama when he wrote these things. You can smile. That's okay. When he wanted to express the deepest things he knew about love, of course he is describing God's love. But there's something special about that. And I want us this morning, if we can, focus on that one word, love. Because that word connects to mothers, but it speaks beyond that 
to all of us. And, and I chose a text to speak on that uh, from First Peter. And if you would look at that, you go through all the letters that Paul wrote. They all addressed to his, uh, to his recipients. And then you get to some letters like James and Peter that is uh, named by whoever wrote it. So you can find it that way. Just get through all the others. You get to Hebrews and then James and then Peter if you struggle with that. Beatles, long time ago, told us that all you need is love. And I think one of the reasons that that has such a reverberating power in people's lives, it almost doesn't matter what generation I talk to, they know that song. Pretty much that line that's repeated a billion times, all you need is love. And so we, we bring that word up and we find ways of expressing it. We find modifiers, either, either they're kind of adjectives and we, even if we want to say something that is a little bit rough, we just call it tough love, right? Or caring love or supernatural love, even romantic love. And if, as if that was not enough, we'll, we'll also find adverbs that kind of express kind of the way this is being done. And so we talk about motherly love or friendly love or godly love. And as if that was not enough, we, we have to say, well, there are certain songs that are love songs. Yes? There are certain stories that are love stories. Nowadays, there are even language, different ones we're told that are called love languages. And just so that we won't miss it when we use this stuff, they have now created and who knows how many different love emoticons. So you can stick a little symbol after whatever you write on your email or in your text. Love is central, and the Bible kind of joins that. Actually, the Bible sets that out, and everything else is kind of joining that, if you will, that love is central. So maybe I should have just entitled this whole thing this morning, Improve Your Love Life. Maybe if we put that in the newspaper, we'll have all kinds of folks show up, right? <laughs> but that's really what it is, and so I can begin by asking you, are you in the process of improving your love life? I think that sentence will have a different ring when we're done in a few minutes with this, uh, these words from God's word. Are you in the process of improving your love life? You know, the Bible sings in harmony in so many places and on so many topics. Uh, the various authors, the great apostles, they bring in harmony to that, saying things slightly different way that all harmonize with one another. But on this point, they all sing in unison. They're in agreement. Peter, Paul, John, various temperaments, but they all sing in unison that love is the central mark of the Christian faith. Love is the stamp of 
genuineness, if you will. It's the proof that you are a Christian, that you love one another and show love toward your neighbor. Let's read from verse 22 in the first chapter of Peter. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And that is the word that I preach to you, Peter says. Let me talk to you about from this text. And don't put your Bibles down. I'm going to pretty much just stay with that text. Most predominantly the first verse that repeats the word love. What about the call to Christian love? Have sincere love. Love one another deeply. Peter actually kind of joins his master and our master, Jesus Christ, in his words when he's saying that, when he on his last week, so to speak, of his life would say that, that love one another. That's the new commandment I'm giving to you. Love one another like I have loved you. In fact, that's how people will recognize that you are my disciples, that you love one another. I'm pretty sure that, that these words were, were carved into Peter's heart. They're kind of spoken to Peter in a way when they first came out as he was part of the group, but the outspoken part of, of the group. They were chiseled into his mind and, and I don't know what was happening in his mind as he was penning these words, but I am pretty sure that that reverberated someplace. The Apostle Paul kind of joins in with this. I said they sing in unison here, and, and Paul is saying it as clearly as he possibly can when he says a life of love to one another is the very goal of the law. In fact, Paul says that, that this is so clear that if you take the, the, the sum of all the laws and all the rules and all the regulation, all the commandments, all the imperatives, all of that, and you distill them to their essence, you will have an expression of love. That's what that is. The very goal is love from a pure heart, Paul says in 1 Timothy. In the same way, John, the apostle that we call the apostle of love, he says here, quoting Jesus, that we have passed from death to life. And we know that because we love one another. 
And if you look in this uh, little letter Peter has here, it's actually very small. You can read the whole thing in, in a few minutes. You'll see on every single chapter, this comes up. This is central, and Peter wants to get this out and it, as he's writing this note. We already read about it here in, in the first chapter of his first letter. Right in the second chapter, verse 17, he's repeating it in a different phrase. He's talking about showing respect toward everybody, and he's following that up by saying, love the fellow believers. Then you move on to chapter 3 and verse 8, and, and you'll have uh, the same kind of thing right there highlighted. Finally, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as fellow believers. Be compassionate. And you go on, and, and in, in the last uh, chapters, it's the same very thing. In, in, in chapter 4, again, I just want to highlight how central this is. Above all, love each other Deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. There's something very special here. The Christian love, and can I please talk about this for a second? Love is such a central word that I I'm not trying to fool myself by thinking when I say that word, you think the same as I do. I know you don't. Everybody has their own definition of that word. Some of them are okay. Some of them are not okay. But let's look at it right here. What, what Peter is saying and what all of Scripture is saying is that Christian love is different from what is normally said when we just say the word love. And it's different both in its source, if you will, its origin. It's different in its expressions. And it's different in its character. You look at, at, at the origin of, of Christian love. Have sincere love. And the word that they chose to translate with love here is the word that you know. If you don't know any other Greek words, I know you know this one. The word is Philadelphia. You could even say that, yes? Philadelphia. Brotherly love. The love that occurs between siblings, if you will. Actually, that word for brother, the Greek word adelphos, and you don't need to remember all that. But the word for Adelphos, which means brother, means that you come from the same womb. There's a special love that we have for those who come from the same physical womb. We call them siblings, brothers and sisters. And now the Bible takes that word and it raises it to another dimension another level and say that's true also in the spiritual sense. Those who come from the same spiritual womb. Those who together call Jesus Christ Lord. Those who talk about God as their heavenly father as they know him through Christ. Something very unique about the origin or the source, the root 
of Christian love. Surely we are called upon and we delight in showing love toward all people. That is, after all, how we express that we have met the one who has shown us, unworthy as we are, grace. And yet, there is a very special love toward those that have been in the same spiritual womb. Those who together call Lord the Lord their heavenly Father. Don't miss this. That is very distinct and clear. This is how we know that we are his disciples. And if you're not sure what love really looks like, Think about the best mother you've ever heard of. And then multiply that to whatever you know God's love. Look at that incredible mother and you'll know at least what we're showing one another. There's just something that is very unique about this. In fact, this runs so deep that we can't miss it. This is how we express who God is. I'm not sure how I can do the character of God himself in just a nutshell quick, that God is a trinity. Like, can I do the trinity in a minute? The classic explanation of that, it comes all the way back from St. Augustine, is that God is not just one, he is three in one. We say that God is love. Are you following me? We're not saying God loves, although of course God loves. But we are not just saying that a lot of people can be loving, a lot of things and we express relationship to, we say they show love. God loves, but the point is not that God loves, the point is that God is love. Within himself, God is. Not just does, is love. Are you still following me? That means there must be a lover. There must be a beloved. And there must be love itself. Yes? The father loves the son and in that atmosphere of love, as they love one another reciprocally, love itself is so strong that it becomes personified and God sends out his presence, his Holy Spirit, that when the Spirit is present, you know, how do we sing this? There's a sweet, sweet Spirit in this place. And we know that it's the spirit of the Lord. That kind of reciprocal love is what he's talking about also here. Love one another. Christian love is never experienced in isolation. That's why we have community. Community. In fact, 
Let me say that word community slow. Common unity. I'll say it fast again. Community. Fellowship. Interactive love where the very spirit is so strong. Of course, we're not God and so it's not personified we send out, but still, I think you can see we reflect God when we experience love between one another. Yes? As a community. God's community. You know, the early church lived in a very pagan world, much like ours. We get frustrated because we think, well, the world's never been this bad. It's been way worse than it is now. We just think 50 years back or 100 years back, and maybe we think that was better. But you go back to the ancient world, and, and there's no filth today that was not present then. There's no troubles today that was not present then in some way, fashion, shape, or form. And they all talked about this. Alexander the Great even wanted to create this people that all expressed love. And, and the Greeks had, had the city they called Philadelphia. And, and some of their rulers would be called Philadelphus, someone who shows love toward the brothers. They all wanted that, and it never happened. And then the Christian church shows up. Are you hearing me? The Christian church shows up. And suddenly, slave owners and slaves sit next to one another and care for one another. Suddenly Jews sit say, next to Greeks and to barbarians. You have people that would never be together suddenly coming together in Philadelphia, if you will, in brotherly love. This is pretty powerful when you start thinking about it. Jews, non-Jews, Greek, barbarians, slaves, slave owners, people of all kinds that never would. Now, here, together in the Christian community. And the Romans did what people that don't have an argument often does. They just, instead of trying to find a way of understanding, they just lambast and they ridiculed and lambasted some of the early Roman writers, just ridiculed them, said, ha, See how they love one another. Even their enemies accused them of loving one another. Imagine that in Nacogdoches. Imagine that in your neighborhood. Oh, that's one of those families on that house. They're part of that group that love one another so much. Now, if you go back, I want to highlight again. I told you I'm just going to stay with that verse pretty much. It's so rich for this very thing. Love sincerely or have sincere love. The word that translated here, sincere, is not a bad translation, but it may highlight the meaning of it if we understand that the word really is non-hypocritical love. 
For some reason or another, in, in our mind, we may have a distinction of categories between sincerity and non-hypocritical. There shouldn't be, but sometimes there is, and it may help that we highlight the literal meaning of that word. That is a love that is not hollow, that is not pretentious, that is not superficial, but is deep and real. It's not pharisaical. Christian love is not just a presentation of a smiling face or kind of a kind word and then get out of here kind of thing. It is true, genuine, caring love. You know, James, in the book of James, you just go back just a page actually in my Bible, maybe two pages in yours and and just look in in chapter 2. Verse 15, he's given an example of what that word is from the other end, right? The hypocritical love. What is that? And he says, well, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. And if one of them says to you, and they come to you, and then you say to one of them, well, I wish you well. Go and keep warm and be well fed. But you do nothing about their physical need. What is that? It's the insincere love. And so here, Peter will just make it leap from the pages. Have non-hypocritical love toward one another. Make you think of a good mother. I can't get you. You're here, right? I'm not speaking through the wall. And then it goes on and it says, love one another deeply from the heart. Again, it's a kind of an English way of, of grappling with this Greek text. The word speaks actually, we translate deeply from the heart about an intensity and something that is persistent and lasting, something that will not let go. It's the opposite of that which is merely temporary. And so if we know anything about the word love as it's used when it's just thrown around, we use it as a temporary word. In fact, it is so misused these days that I'm not sure always if, if there's a deep difference between people when I say, I love this donut, or I love my new car, or I love my family. It's like said in the same breath sometimes. And Peter say, not so, when the word is used in the Christian sense. There is nothing temporary about Christian love. What characterizes a Christian is what Peter says, is a love that is intensive and persistently strong. In fact, this is the exact same word that is used in the book of Acts when Peter was thrown in jail. And it says about the the church that they gathered and they prayed, quote, without ceasing. The same word here, love without ceasing. 
It's also, interestingly enough, expressing intensity. Actually, this is the same word again that is used when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane right before he was taken to be crucified. And it says he prayed intensively. This is the word right here, the same word. So, can I be blunt and just straightforward? If what you call love for your brothers and your sisters, your fellow church friends, disappears when someone steps on your toes or offends you a little bit, it cannot be characterized by this word. If that is so, you need to check your spiritual condition. In fact, when we go to the doctor, and I just had my yearly, whatever that's called, you know, go to check up my oil change, whatever they call this. <laughs> you know, you put something in your tongue, you go, ah, that kind of stuff. And they ask you all kind of questions. You're feeling good? How is this? How is this? And they say, yeah, I'm good. And why do they do that? They do that to kind of do a diagnosis, figure out what's wrong with you, if anything is wrong with you, yes? It's a diagnostic type question. And really, when you think about it for just a moment, the best, the strongest kind of diagnostic question you can place to a Christian congregation is, do you love one another. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Those who experience grace like you have, those who come from the same spiritual womb, do you love them? Not because they're likable, not because you enjoy hanging out with them, not because they smell just right. None of that matters. Simply because you belong together from the same spiritual womb, calling the same heavenly Father, Lord. These are powerful words, friends. One of the best litmus tests, if you will, of whether you truly love. How do you figure out whether I love? Well, people you love, you want to be around. You want to be together. Love draws people together. So ask yourself this. Do you want to be together with your brothers and sisters? We're called to love. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, now, so have sincere love. Now, we, now, I just want to really brief. I see time is gone. I may have spent too much time here, but let's talk for just a second about the cause for love. What is it? Because it goes on. Because you have been born, verse 23, again, 
not a perishable seed. And I'm going to do this quickly. Don't worry that I'm going equally long on this. But this is an important point. You've been born again. That's why you love one another. And you've been born again, not by perishable seed, but by imperishable, through the living, through the living and enduring word of God. Peter talks here in a majestic way about the agent of the new birth. The agent that produces a loving life. By the living and lasting or enduring word of God. That precedes. The love that is just born out of our flesh will come and go and disappear and not be true love at all. But the love that comes from and finds its inspiration with the loving God and his lasting and enduring word will last. You know, when we put our love, loveless hearts in contact with God's living word and we let that word cleanse our selfishness, let that word just rinse out all our egotism and scrub away all the me, me, me stuff in our lives so that his word just kind of flows over us like water over an arid piece of desert. Then we'll see from our hearts will grow a new love. I think that's how Peter connects these things. This is a principle of how to find this new love from the living and enduring word of God. May I inspire you when you come home or maybe even while you're here find a mother someone who has functioned as a mother in your life someone who may have taught you God's word Sunday school teacher maybe there's some other woman you need to call and just pray for them today Tell them how they have blessed you. Speak it out. If you can say, I love this donut, you can say to someone, I love you. We need this, friends. The world, our world needs this. Our church, if these words reverberate in our hearts, whew, People would drive from Dallas to come to church here. Just saying. That's the mark of genuine Christian commitment. Where do we learn it? We see it expressed in the strongest way 
in the love of a wonderful mom. Father, we ask, would you allow us to know not this is words that we hear here in a sermon, not even as ideals that we recognize that they could be true if and if and if, but way we experience this as a reality in our own life. Will you speak to us, Father, with power, with directness, remind us of people we need to bless, people we need to tell that we love them and they have meant a tremendous amount for us. Father, would you allow us also to love even those who seem to be, from our human perspective, unlovable. But there are people that you love as much as you love anyone. May we experience that, the presence of God's loving spirit right here in our midst. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song, friends, and, and some of you may need to grab someone's hand and come up and kneel and we just want to spend a moment. I'm looking at the clock and we're making good time today. So you don't have to rush out is all I'm saying, right? As we sing, let's spend some time praying. Some of you may want to say, hey, I don't have a place that I call my church home. I don't have a group of people where I feel they're my spiritual family. Well, maybe you will ask the Lord if this is the place you need to be part of. Let's spend these next moments just dealing with God and have his word penetrate our hearts in whatever direction that will make a change in your life.